0: Hi and hello, Watch fans, and welcome to another edition of The Real-Time Show. With me, your friendly neighborhood jeweler, Aloma Joseph, I have Fabricio Buonamassa. I'm very honored and proud to welcome my dear friend, and in my humble opinion, a genius, <laughs> design genius, in the virtual studio. Ciao, amiche, va bene? Ciao, caro. Everything is great. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much for your presentation. You are very, you are very kind. The honor and the pleasure is all mine. I need to apologize on behalf of my co-host Rob Nuds. He is so bummed out because he was so excited to sit down with you, as well. But duty called. He had to fly urgently to New York for work. So he apologized. He's still lying in bed right now while we record this. So we'll forgive him. But honestly, secretly, I'm kind of happy because I have you all to myself. Because. <laughs> As you know, I'm a huge fan. Uh, Full disclaimer, as a retailer, I'm a proud, proud Bulgari watch dealer for many years. And that's how I've had the honor to work with you hands-on, meet you, interview several times. We met up in Geneva a few months ago also to discuss the novelties. And before we start off, I want to congratulate you on the amazing launch. And I hope I pronounce it well, the Meditriano Collection. Mediterranean, yes. Mediterranean, stunning for those that haven't seen it. You on air know that I love watches as a man. I love men's watches, but secretly as a jeweler, I love gemstones, diamonds, and and female watches. And I think that Bulgari is one of the best, and there is maybe none better for female watches. Talking about creativity and originality and uniqueness and we are actually having a lot of designers on the show because Rob, Nuds, and I and the rest of the team love design. We love designers. And and we want to pick your brain, which I'm going to do later today. The Mediterranean collection is amazing. It's basically an aquarium on your wrist. Do I say that correctly? Yeah, exactly. This was the
1: idea. Uh, thank you so much. It was a it was very long process. Uh, it's very interesting to say, uh, first of all, that we... I'm here in Oshadeli, in my office, uh, in the watches uh, business unit. And uh, we are in charge for all the Bulgari watches. It means, uh, let me say, from the, from the aluminum, our minute and second, that is our enterprise watch, to the Mediterranean uh, Garden uh, Giardino Piccolissimo, that is the most expensive watch that we ever made. So, as a, a watches division, uh, as a, the design uh, director for the watches division, We are in charge for all the Bulgari watches. Even the jewelry watches are designed here in Châtel, And uh, we involve the jewelry division for the productions and for these kind of things. But even Mediterranean watches, even the Cleopatra pendant, uh, all the watches that we presented uh, during last week in our most important event in Venice are made by uh, the the watches uh, business Thank you so much for your uh, appreciation. Uh, to make these kind of pieces, it's a very, very long journey. Sometimes it's more than a year. And uh, something like uh, 4,000 hours to make uh, the big, uh, big uh, Mediterranean garden uh, uh, this year. And uh, it's huge, huge,
0: uh, huge work, honestly. Although I want to quickly do it neatly and chronologically and introduce you and ask you about your career. But since I am so enthusiastic and I love you and I'm excited, and I'm bubbling, and I apologize to our dis- listeners, this is going to be a bit chaotic. <laughs> Let's call it Italian Mediterranean episode. Exactly. Off the bat, I'm going to ask you a devil's advocate question, uh, Fabricio, and you have to answer quickly. Shotgun, do you love designing female watches or male watches more? But, you know, it's a totally different job. Male watches are more
1: technical. Uh, The male uh, collection are driven uh, more by technical features uh, and uh, certain kind of performance. First of all, uh, we talk a lot about the the Octo Finissimo. It's a matter of thickness. Uh, um, For gentlemen, the watches and cars have a lot of uh, parallels. So we talk about the engine. We talk about performance of technical components. uh, springs, uh, wheels, uh, screws, uh, power reserve, all these kind of things. On the ladies' side, it's very difficult to manage. On uh, the eye jewelry side of the ladies' watches, uh, we can use all our creativity. And uh, we talk less about uh, technicity, but more about the emotions. So even on the male side, we talk about emotion, but it's a more uh, a technical emotion. On the lady side, uh, and is the most difficult thing to do It's to talk about something that you cannot touch. Because uh, for sure, the diamonds are amazing, the paraíbe are beautiful, the fishes that, uh, that are trembling on the, on the Mediterranean garden are amazing. But if you don't like it, no compromise. On the male side, you can convince. Yes, but look, it's the most thinest uh, movement. We have uh, eight days power reserve on the skeleton. We have an amazing finishing. We have a very unique design. You know, you can wear it in different occasions. On the lady side, if the lady says it doesn't fit with my wrist, that's uh, the point. And uh, honestly, we cannot uh, discuss more. So, totally different approach. Uh, the lady side is more, uh, let me say, uh, creative in terms of uh, free creativity on the male side, we follow more a technical, technical
0: approach. You are as professional in <laughs> interviews as <laughs> you are in your career and profession. So I'll tone it, thank you for that, I'll tone it down. Now, I will go back to chronology. So Fabio, you're obviously Italian, yeah. you're working for an Italian brand, deeply rooted in Italian heritage. You are based in Chatel. And, um please please tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and your career, and uh, leading up to Bulgaria. I was
1: born in Naples, and um, fifty two years old. I'm fifty two, and I start to make drawings uh, more or less uh, when I was four. And still today is the biggest activity, the most important t- activity of my of my day, let me say. Um, I moved to Rome when I was very, very young and um, I start to the secondary school was the artistic secondary school that we have in Italy and after uh, a a a degree in industrial design in Rome. After Rome, I moved to Turin. I was a a car designer in Fiat Group for uh, if you compare with the Tasi, the stage. And uh, the degree, and after I become a designer in Fiat, you have to imagine more or less uh, uh, 1998 until 2021. Yes, when I joined Bulgaria. More or less four years in, in the automotive industry. But let me say that the automotive, was uh, the, the car design was one of my first love because I was, I was in love for the, for the shapes, proportions, and details of the, of the cars. I grew up in the 70s, one of the most incredible periods, not just for watches, but even for cars. And many, many important and uh, and iconic masters and designers spent their career in the 70s. So we can spend more than one hour just to talk about uh, the Italian design uh, in the automotive industry. And uh, the watches are always... uh, my passion, uh, uh, car and watches. Car and watches. I had to ha- to have my first watch when I was more or less uh, six, five or six. Was, uh, it was it was a watch, a second wa- second watch, for one of my uncles, and uh, I don't remember honestly. I suppose it was a Japanese watch because in the seventies it was very common to have a Japanese watch. But it was my it was my first watch. And uh, current watches uh, always be part of my career, let me say. I joined at Bulgari in Rome in uh, 2001 and um, as a junior designer. And one of my first jobs was to design the bracelet of the Octo that was under the Gerald Genta brand because Bulgari bought Gerald Genta and Daniel Roth, so the Manufacture des Autres Logeries from Hourglass in uh, 2000. And we start immediately to develop uh, uh, the Octo, as you know today. So was designed by an external consultant and the Bulgari design team in Rome at the time, because Gerald Gente and Daniel Roth doesn't have a design team. So they asked immediately uh, to help the uh, creative department. It was just one uh, external consultant. And we were in charge uh, to the the first octo and the first Daniel Roth uh, case of the new the one. Um, one of my first job was the bracelet of the octo that was not uh, the right moment at the right time. They decided to go ahead with the cauchou strap and one of the first job was uh, some dials for uh, the octo and some dials for the Daniel Rock case. After that, we decided to integrate the company 2001, uh, uh, 2009 uh, directly under the Bulgari logo, and I redesigned personally all the entire collection, and we start to talk about the Octo in a different way. It was that moment, and uh, we arrive on the market with the with the first Octo, with our minute and second, with our base caliber, and after we start to imagine the evolution of this line uh, with uh, uh, the Octo Finissimo, and now. You know you know the story. So I designed even jewelry for the company, eyeglasses, sunglasses, uh, sometimes accessories. That's why my title is uh, uh, Product Creation Executive Director, not just Watch Design Director, because uh, during my career, I designed some, uh, some jewelry collection, many, many other accessories. For example, the B01 Rock is designed by me and my team. Many jewelry collection on the Serpenti was designed by me and my team. So, many, many different things. Today, we design a lot of uh, Octo Finissimo, we design a lot of ladies' watches, high jewelry watches, and the amazing
0: uh, grand complication of the Octoroma case. Long journey, 22 years at Bulgaria already. I definitely want to go later into the Parallels between cars and watches because for those of you that do not follow Fabicio on instagram I highly highly recommend it it's almost therapeutic he literally still sketches nonstop while we were doing the backstage talks before recording I heard pen strokes I'm like Fabicio what are you doing he said yeah I'm sketching he's he's you're you I mean this in a positive way you're maniacal you're 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 a maniac, a design maniac. You non-stop draw. I, I still today get zillions of comments on the two pieces of art behind me. I'm sitting in my office in Amsam in the boutique, and you were so gracious to grant my wish. My one of my biggest dreams was to have two custom designs, drawings by you for my children, Rafael and Noah. You made a male watch and a female watch for each of them, and you signed it and wrote a little personal note for them it's up on my wall I still get loads of feedbacks whenever I do zooms or video calls or video recordings um so I'm a huge fan follow Fabric on Instagram um he designs a lot of car stuff he sells prints so if you're a fan like me you can once in a while order because you make limited batches don't you
1: yeah this is a very interesting topic. If you want, later on we can talk about that. On my Instagram account, it's something that is managed directly by me, not by the, someone else in the company. And you can see all the things that I love, honestly, from my personal point of view, and all the things that for me is interesting. A lot of uh, reels with uh, with me that make sketches and uh, on the, on the, in, a, in a very in a real way as uh, as I can do honestly right now. And uh, you can see some uh, beautiful objects that I love, some sketches, uh, for sure, watches, uh, but even cars, uh, very important architects that are
0: inspiring me, and beautiful things that I love. So I'll spell out the handle on Instagram it's F A B R I Z I O D U O N A M A S S A S T I G L O N A S S S A S T I G L O N A S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S S I-N-A. So, Fabrizio, Buonamassa, Stigliani. I think it's the longest
1: uh, account on Instagram. And uh, and uh, it was, for me, the most easier thing, the easiest thing to do. And I decided to use my two family names and my name uh, on the account. And at certain moment, it was a bit tough because it was so
0: long. But anyway, now is the this is the account and and that's it. And, and the most Definitely. uh, Our our team member, David Boucher, writes the show notes. Shout out to you, David. Thank you so much. Um, He will also put the handle in the show notes. So don't worry, guys, if you uh, didn't write down my spelling. So Fabrizio, what's your highlight or highlights at Bulgari in these 22 years? What stands out for you if you sit down and walk down memory lane, please? Honestly, uh, the brand itself is uh, absolutely
1: unique. It's not just a brand that more than 150 years on the on stage uh, is one of the most iconic brands for jewelry, but even makes uh, very iconic timepieces, and now even more. The uh, yeah, highlight is the brand itself. Uh, thanks to Gianni Bulgari, he was the first one able to create uh, an aesthetic of this brand. We were very well known uh, for... Uh, the 80s in the 90s for a geometrical approach for a pure design Italian design approach no matter about uh, which kind of uh, price but it was very important uh, the sour fare and it was very important uh, the innovation and uh, the design of the object um, I met Gianni for the first time uh, five or six years ago and we had an amazing discussion about uh, aesthetics um, and this is not so common, because uh, uh, Bulgar is not just uh, one of the most iconic uh, jewel makers that play with colors. It comes from Rome, and uh, we have a very unique groups that come from the Roman kingdom, but even for uh, the Dolce Vita, this is a very interesting part, because everybody knows Dolce Vita for the paparazzi, for Anita Eckberg, Marcello Mastroianni, and Via Bene. That is a part of the Dolce Vita, but honestly, the Dolce Vita was... Uh, all in this way because in that period in Rome you can find the most important uh, personality in, the, in Italy and maybe in Europe or maybe sometimes in the world. The most important uh, poetry, the most important uh, director, the most important artist. You, uh, you walk around Via Veneto, you can see on the same table uh, Moravia or Lucio Fontana or uh, Maraini uh, with Fellini so, Is not possible to imagine another place in the world with this amazing personality, with these amazing masters at the same table talking about arts, talking about aesthetics, talking about philosophy, talking about uh, literature, and so on and so forth. That's why we call Dolce Vita. And that's why it was a moment in time, and uh, it was not just thanks to Elizabeth Taylor or Richard Barton, but it was a very unique moment. You can see all the most important and amazing people around the world in the same place at the same time. That's why Rome became so unique. And you can see this kind of thing in Bulgaria heritage. Our archive is something amazing. Pure. Um, it's, it's something that works in exactly in the same way. If you talk about in Italian industrial design, we don't want to make each time the same things and it's not just a matter of uh, jewels but even if you talk about cars that everybody knows and you imagine the design by Giugiaro by Pininfarina, by Scaglione by Scaglietti by Gandini Bertone and all the coach builders, you don't find two times the same car at the time now it's easier now it's a, it's a matter of cost so they want to produce just one frame frontal frame and they change the shapes and they change the dimension of the car. But at the time, the 70s, in the 50s, in the 60s, it was uh, the, the the maximum expression of creativity. And you can find this kind of expression in the Bulgari DNA. So we have parentheses, we have aluminum, we have Bulgari, Bulgari, we have Trica, we have so many different things. And this is the biggest. Uh, Elements of this company, because uh, thanks to this point of view, you can design so many different things. And I think in the last twenty years of my career, I discovered the brand. And I think that inside the company, I'm one of the uh, the few people that know the brand very well. But I discovered the brand from scratch when I joined the Gianni Bulgari in his house in Rome. I Completely, I say, ah, okay, now I can understand the brand. And it was a melting pot of different cultures. It was a melting pot of different uh, style. It was a super eclectic gentleman. He is a super eclectic gentleman. And you can see the eclectic uh, style of Bulgari through his uh, his very unique style. So I think, then in the watch industry, you have a lot of brands that are used to make each time the same things because it's even part of the the, 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 the watch's history, the watchmaking history, to be consistent. But when you see the Bulgari product, uh, just to have a, the, the essence of the brand in one sentence, just Bulgari is able to turn a gas pipe in a luxury item, let me say.
0: On the real-time show, we talk a lot about design. We have a network, the TRTS Network, with collectors, listeners, actually watch designers, brand uh managers, industry experts, etc. And we had a lot of heated debates the last few weeks about design, originality of design. We spoke about it on air, we interviewed designers, you just raised the topic, and there's so much to unpack there. And, and and you and I also had a lot of philosophical discussions. You know, one of my favorite things that I had an epiphany when I was on one of many manufacturer visits at the factories in the Chateau for Bulgari watchmaking is many years ago i heard the term molto non troppo," which was epiphany for me and the essence of italian design which you just beautifully explained to us which if i understood correctly the italian translation to english is it's a lot but not too much and and for me that's the summary the epiphany uh epitome of uh Italian design, and you just explained beautifully from uh, La Dolce Vita into the eclectic design of Bulgari. You
1: know, Alon, I'm, I'm sorry to, to cut you, um, otherwise I, I forgot it. Um, the beauty for us is not a philosophical concept. The beauty for us, uh, for the Italians, is uh, more or less a necessity. It, we grow up uh, surrounded by beauty, No. You have to imagine that you, you wake up in Florence, in Venice, or in uh, Palermo, or in Naples, or in Rome, or uh, in Turin, or in Milan, and you open uh, your window and you have an amazing landscape. If you are in the Tuscany countryside, you have the amazing Cipressi and uh, the smoothness of the, of, the, of the Tuscany landscape. If you open your window in Rome, in Venice, in Palermo, in Milan, or you can imagine in Naples you have a different landscape. And you can start to listen someone to someone that start to sing a song, a very famous Italian song from Verdi, from Pavarotti, something that everybody knows. And you start to taste your coffee. And after, during the lunch, you start to eat an amazing pizza or an amazing dishes of pasta handmade. So it's difficult to find another place in the world that can give you this kind of uh, beauty. Beauty, that's why I say for us it's not a philosophical concept. Beauty is uh, something that in Italy you can uh, touch, you can see, you can feel, you can hear, you can taste. I talk about pizza or I talk about uh, handmade pasta because we love the beauty that comes from the sour fern. Our pizza in Naples uh, is uh, unique. I come from Naples. Now we're talking something that is a part of my heritage. But unfortunately, if you make the same pizza in Rome, it's not the same. I don't know why. Nobody knows why. But if you make uh, a tortellini in Bologna, it's amazing. If you make the same tortellini in Naples or in Milan, it's not the same. Each country, each region, each city in Italy has an amazing sour fare and very unique sour fare that comes from centuries of uh, different kinds of cultures. That's why in Venice and in Palermo, you can see the same Arabic influences. When you go in Naples, you have uh, a a part of the city called Quartieri Spagnoli, the Spanish part of the city. But you can hear some uh, words in Naples that are very similar to the French, because they had even a French domination. So, you have to imagine uh, the Italian land uh, like the Italian culture, the Italian aesthetics like a multi-layer cake. Every different domination land left something on our land. That's why we are so eclectic. That's why we talk about tubogas. That's why we talk about uh, Achille Castiglioni that uh, took uh, the the tractor chair and put in the middle of your dining room and even in the in the MoMA museum in New York because we are able to see things in a different way we are always ironic and we
0: use the sour fare in a very very amazing way that's why I love podcasts because when you do audio only with our video on it's I'm fully absorbed by your words the last sentence you said ironic I want to zoom in on that does that mean you Embed sense of humor in everything, or take life lightly, not too seriously. What do you mean by that? The Italian
1: design, if you see, the most iconic elements of the Italian design uh, history are very ironic. We loved web fun, so for us, form follow function, it doesn't work. It works very well for uh, the master, the Rams, for. Uh, m- Ludwig uh, Mies van der Rohe. It doesn't work for Achille Castiglioni, for Mario Bellini, for uh, Richard Zapper or uh, Zanusso. We love to have fun. Otherwise, we get bored and uh, we don't like it. That's exactly the same approach that we have. We make a lot of sketches. I make a lot of sketches. And after I share the sketches with my team. And the, the, the first reaction is, wow, this is super cool. Okay, we put on the wall in our own. The day after, we say, ah, honestly, it's not so cool. It's a bit boring. It's not Bulgarian enough. When you see the tubo gas, it's exactly this. Just Bulgari can took a gas pipe from a kitchen or from a bathroom, from the shower, and turn it into luxury icon because we are able to see things in a different way. And part of the Italian design culture is even called something that everybody knows as ready-made. So we love to give a second chance to the object, second life. That's why uh, we love to have fun. We love to see the things from a different point of view, and we love to have fun when we design objects. Otherwise, it becomes so serious, it becomes so boring, and honestly, we don't like it. We love to play with the names. Uh, on the Mediterranean collection we have fishes and we have fishes in a bubble in a crystal bubble on, a, on your wristwatch we have starfish we have shells we have uh, animals we have so many things we love to have crowded objects with an amazing sour fare that when you see it, you don't wear it just in a static way but you have fun and you have to discover little by little so uh that's why we love to say that we are ironic, because when Achille Castiglioni or other Italian designers create uh, the Arco arch lamp or create, uh, I don't know, another kind of things, it's something that everybody knows because an arch is a part of our daily life. But he was able to turn it in a, one of the most iconic uh, lamp that you can see in, in design history with a very simple touch. This is the most difficult thing to do. That's why I love Miss Van Der Rohe because Miss Van Der Rohe is the master of the less is more. But not the less is more that we know today. Less is more, it means that it's more difficult to do, because when we have less, we have more details, and we have to take attention about all the single shapes, corner, edges, with the most incredible sour fare with the most incredible materials. So today, less is more is uh, to, to, to have something that is uh, less expensive. But in the more deep way, less is more, it means more expensive because I have to pay more attention and I have to choose the right materials because I have less. So the material is the very important, the finishing are very important, and uh, the sour fare are even more important. So when you have uh, something that is... Uh, Crowded object, you can see, okay, I don't care about that because we have a lot of focus points. Our crowded object, like the the Garden of Eden uh, last year and the Mediterranean Garden this year, it's an obsession for us. Our, Our supplier, our client, internal client or external client, that when we produce our pieces, say, Fabrizio, this piece is amazing. Maybe it's the most difficult piece that we ever made, but we are very happy that it's finished because it was uh, an amazing job for one year. And we talk about all the details, all the grief, all the elements that you have to see when you turn the bracelet. As you are a jeweler, you know very well what I'm saying. So it's not just the things that you can see when you wear the watch, but it's even more interesting when you turn the bracelet, when you turn the movement, when you turn the bracelet, so on the Octo Finissimo, you can see this less is more approach. On the eye jewelry pieces, you can see the most incredible sour fare that we are able to show to you and to our.
0: I can go on for hours. We're already halfway, and I have so many questions for you. I'm going to cut myself short. I'm going to ask you if you can please invite you back on the show where we will just do an episode about the philosophy of design. Because it seems you have endless sources of inspiration and creativity in you. And on this show and our listeners and in our network, everybody complains about the lack of originality and creativity in the watch industry. We keep on riding the wave of vintage, retro-inspired, old catalog models continuously. And if somebody says it's new, it's usually a lookalike or it's inspired by a different brand. And so... I want to park that issue maybe today because I want to talk about the Roma quickly. I've said this to you personally. I've said it to our dear friend Antoine Penn, your colleague. Uh, I've said this on air after visiting the Geneva uh, fairs uh, in the end of March, the watch fairs. I am a huge fan of the Octophinissimo which I'm wearing today. From day one, I fell head over heels in love. Ordered it immediately. I'm wearing the Tonsuton Ton Titanium on Titanium. Yeah. It's still my favorite. And the second best is the full gold satin blasted one. The Octoroma wasn't my favorite. I didn't really like it. I didn't feel it. I was skeptical when I saw the pictures when you guys revealed it a few months ago. I always say I don't make definite decisions or verdicts, or for my opinions when I held it in my hands, studied it and put it on my wrist. I did that with a revamped Octo Roma and I'm not sucking up to you you know I'm rather honest I loved it and you blew me away I ordered one for myself and not to replace my Octo Finissimo it's a different watch, completely different what did you do? how difficult was it for you to revamp it? And expl- walk us through the design process and please tell us why it's so successful suddenly. On the male assortment, uh, maybe the
1: Octoroma is the most difficult watch that you can imagine because it's exactly in the middle of the market with a lot of competitors, at the same price point with an amazing heritage, with uh, the same watches until uh, 50 years uh, and it's very, very crowded uh, segment and a very, very competitive and difficult. We are very well known uh, today thanks to the Octo Finissimo, but the Octo Roma, the origin of the Octo Roma was uh, immediately after the Octo Finissimo. Because immediately after the first uh, presentation of the first product, uh, after two or three Basel Fair, we discovered that, uh, yes, the Octo Finissimo was an amazing achievement in terms of technical feature. The ultra-thin movement, the ultra-thin bracelet, the ultra-thin case, uh, one material, one finish in one color. But it's not uh, for everyone. It's a bit a segmented watch because, uh, you know, if you don't like ultra watches, what else? And we decided to develop uh, a different leg on the Octo collection. To be clear, and for the records, we have to say that when the Octo Finissimo arrived on the market, we already have another Octo that became the Octo Originale. That was the Octo that we designed 20 years before, uh, 15 years before, more or less, with the Gerald Genta and Daniel Roth development. So, when the Octo Finissimo arrived on the market, uh, the Octo was already a watch with retrograde movement and with our base caliber, our minute and second. So, from this point, we call this Octo, Octo Originale, and we start to develop the Octo Finissimo. In a certain moment, the Octo Finissimo has a huge success, huge success, but it was a uh, uh, we were not able to produce all the watches that the market needs. On the other hand, the Octo Originale, after the Octo Finissimo, it starts to become a big, gigantic, huge bracelet, huge case, very thick case. But, you know, not just for the client, even for us. I have to say that there is a business unit before and a business unit after the Octo Finissimo. After the Octo Finissimo, all the watch even the ladies' watch, it starts to be very thick, very big, big bracelet. And we start to redesign all the components of all the watches and our entire assortment with the Octo Finissimo in mind. That doesn't mean that we design all Octo Finissimo everywhere, but we start to looking for the, the best thickness as possible, uh, the best comfort for the bracelet as possible in a different way if you compare with the past. In a certain moment, we say, okay, the Octo original, is so huge and uh, it's very important for some market, uh, but today, you know, after the Octo Finissimo, maybe we need an Octo that is more mainstream. And this is the most difficult things to do because the Octo, it's a not a mainstream watch. It's a very iconic in terms of design, different layers, two kinds of bezels, more or less a square watch with a very large bracelet. And you say, how can we use the same design to make a more rounded watch, something that it's easier to wear for even the client that doesn't uh, love just the Ultra. And we start to design the Octo Roma, that it was just the perfect uh, extrusion from uh, the Octo case with uh, the lugs and uh, more or less the same bracelet of the Octo Finissimo. In a certain moment with the Octo Finissimo, we start to develop the second step so uh, the first step of the Octofinissimo was to um, impose the design, impose this point of view, the watch that you can hide under the shirt, a very Italian uh, chic attitude, something that is not shout, something that is more subtle. And it wasn't a great success. And after now is the second phase that we start to take care about all these references, about all the movements and start to uh, look at the watch in a different way to improve uh, all the single details that we can improve in terms of finishing, in terms of ergonomic point of view, in terms of many, many different things. So, we start to say, but guys, the octoroma start to become a bit uh, no, uh, different. The first octoroma was very, was very, how can I say, was very sharp, was very edgy. Was very radical in terms of design if you compare with other watches. So we decided to take care about the octofinissimo, and now you can see the octofinissimo a days so that is a completely different watch. On the same moment, we start to take care about the octorum. But the octorum is for a different client. The client that already has some watches, maybe already have the octofinissimo, but for sure already have some other iconic watches. So he needs something different that talk about the brand in a very clear way, but on the other hand, uh, it's uh, very easy to wear in different occasions. And to have this kind of design today, you must have some specific features. Interchangeable strap. You must have different movements. You must have uh, luminous hands, luminous indexes. To have a versatile watch, you must have some versatile features. So we start to develop the Octroma with, for the first time, a chronograph movement and, for the first time in our assortment, interchangeable system. Allora, the octoroma is not a round shape case. E, to design the, the push button for the chronograph we spent six months. Because uh, we were not happy about the thickness of the movement, we were not happy about the size of the movement, we were not happy about the shape of the push button on the case. And the same thing was uh, the interchangeable system. We tried three or four different systems and we were not happy because we not easy to use, user-friendly strap. I'll always say, guys, this is not possible to use. We're going to create a frustration and it's better to don't have the system to have the common strap. So, Alan, honestly, it was one of the longest development. We spent more or less three years to develop this new watch because we changed two or three times the movement for the chronograph, so we were not able to design the push button, and we changed three or four times the interchangeable system, so we were not able to design and to fix the design of the case, neither the design of the bracelet. So we were, we were happy about uh, the luminous hands, we were happy about the new uh, luminous indexes, we were happy about for the, the texture of the dial for the first time on an octo family, but you, can, you have to imagine that we make uh, the design of the case three times. Today, we call the watch OctoRoma, but just the name is the same. Honestly, the watch is a brand new watch with a lot of new features, with a lot of uh, implementation in terms of uh, movement, in terms of finishing, in terms of you can see now the case is made with different finishing. The first OctoRoma was just with one finishing, was very sharp, was very edgy. Now, we try to have a smoother case, a smoother design. We don't want to have compromise. Still, today is an Octo. But when you come make a comparison, the old Octoroma and the new Octoroma, you see that is a a big step. And now we see the watches in a different
0: way, let me say. I have just one word for you. Congratulazioni. <laughs> you are very kind. Yeah. No, I'm I'm serious. Uh, is is uh people know I speak my mind. Um I I I am not a designer. I envy you guys, designers. I envy the creativity. I admire you guys. And sometimes I sit down and I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was them, how the hell would I tackle this problem? How do you need to climb this Mount Everest by doing this? This is such a tremendous job. I think it's even more difficult to do this, this evolution, than come up with a total new design out of the blue, which also seems like a hell of a job. I, I want to zoom in on what you mentioned about the chronograph, because the chronograph is a fantastic piece under, obviously, the Finissimo GMT, which is also the thinnest automatic chronograph with a GMT function. But talking about the Roma, I love the pushes how you indeed integrate it. And I understand you worked six months on it, because it's an architectural job. It's where you guys build sculptures. It's, it's architectural buildings. Now, let's talk about the movement, because it's a new caliber. The the three hands is a BVL-191 manufacturer caliber, right? What's the chrono, please? Uh, honestly,
1: you make a very tricky question because honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> I think that is a module. I think that is a module that we put on top of our base caliber. Uh, but you have to to check with uh, with the Marina. We have to check in the press release because it was right down. Honestly, now, I don't remember because I'm not involved in the movement development. So I know which kind of movement is. I know the size. I'm in charge for all the finishing and all the things. But honestly, we change this kind of movement three or four times. In a certain moment, uh, we decide that this must be the movement. But I'm sure that is a, uh, an applied module on our on our uh, on our base caliber. But honestly, I don't remember more. Sorry for that.
0: No problem. No problem. I, I wanted to give you the honor. It is a. It. it you're right. You guys called it a three nine nine. But it's indeed based on the 191 with a Dubai DuPois module on top. Exactly. It's a wide du Pra module on top on our
1: base calibre, yes. But beautifully thin. So, compliments on that. We, in a certain moment, we take in consideration even our uh, movement with integrated movement, integrated uh, function, chronograph function, but it was too thick. Uh, we already used uh, the Zenith Primero in our Octo Originale Velocissimo, the, the problem was the size and the, the, the center of the three counters. We were not happy because for our design, doesn't fit in a correct way. So we decided to uh, create a, in a new movement uh, with the dubois Pra module on top of our base caliber. For this kind of watches, even the price is very important. And uh, in a certain moment, uh, we push a lot. The boundary is to have the best watches possible with this not common not round shaped design at the correct price point. Um, to be clear, it's very easy to produce a round shape watch. It's easier and it's less expensive. When you start to change the shape of the case with the square, with the rectangular with octagonal shape, you have to take uh, in consideration. Many, many, many aspects of the finishing and many, many aspects of the production of the case, and it start to become uh, a totally different uh, price and totally different approach. Our idea was to have the right watch with the right finishing, uh, with the right evolution of the Roma, but uh, with the right price. Otherwise, nobody cares. I am honest. I'm very, I'm very tough. Sometimes with, uh, with our product development uh, team and with our meeting I say guys I love watches I don't know why I have to buy this watch at this price sometimes during our meetings I say uh, I love to wear watches but I love to wear watches that make sense so please take in consideration the final price now I'm not talking about the Roma. I'm talking in general taking consideration that I would love to have this kind of finishing but this kind of finishing it makes sense if the watch has this kind of price, because if we pass the limit, or sure we have to change even the finishing to have something that is more consistent with the new price point. So we have this kind of discussion, and it's not just uh, uh, today. You know, Alon, we work in a in a very different way. If you compare the way that our competitor used to work after 20 years that I'm in the company and more than 10 years that I'm in Neuchâtel, uh, today, our way of working, uh, and i talking about the Octo Roma, the Octo GMT, the, the World Timer, uh, the Octo Perpetual Calendar, uh, our way of working is that I make some sketches, my team make the sketches, uh, we find the right one and we start to talk immediately with the manufacturer inside and with our work. And uh, the the sentence that we have, the question that we have from our watchmasters in our facilities is please tell us which kind of complication you would love to have and tell us where you would love to have the counters and which kind of counters you would love to have. So now we work in this way. That's why we have the perpetual calendar with the retrograde big date. That's why we have the world timer on the octoroma and that's why we have all our finissimo movement. It's not often you have the engineer, the watchmaster that make the movements, and after someone else make the try to have the best dress as possible, the best, uh, the best uh, drawing as possible for the shape. We work in a very, very different way. So we start to have uh, back and forth uh, thousand times with the watchmasters. What do you think about that? Oh, it's beautiful, but I'm not completely satisfied. I would love to have the counter a bit uh, more in this direction and more in this position. Is it possible? No. Okay, we can find another solution. So now we work in this way. That's why you have this a certain of consistency between the movement
0: and the the design. Of it. So you raised um, actually a segue for me that as a ambassador of Bulgaria, which I titled myself, and. I didn't believe it till I saw it with my own eyes when I did the manufacturing visits. You guys are truly vertically integrated. Tell me, please, what you guys do in-house. And the, the funny thing is, I should reverse the question, put it upside down. There's hardly anything you don't do, so maybe you should just say what you don't do. Because I was blown away. Yeah,
1: you know that I'm very honest and clear uh, person. So we produce in-house all the most strategic moves. We don't produce in-house all our movement because we don't have the size, we don't have the capacity. When we don't produce in-house our movement, we are the owner of uh, the ideation and we owner of the project. So we have an idea. We are not able to produce the movement uh, in-house because we don't have capacity and we are full, uh, uh, let me say, uh, all the the manufacturing side are uh, saturated from the other uh, movement. So we try to find the best partners possible, able to develop our, our idea. And this is the case of the Octovissimo Ultra. We were not able to produce, to develop and produce the movement in-house. And we develop the watch, the movement, directly with the, our partner. It means that we design the watch with our partner. We don't buy the movement. We We develop and design the movement directly with our partner. We produce in-house the Finissimo hour, minute, and second, the Finissimo skelet, the Finissimo chronograph, the Finissimo perpetual calendar. We produce in-house uh, the Octo Striking Tourbillon, the Octo Striking Tourbillon with uh, with diamonds that we showed in, in a Venice event. We produce in-house the Octo Finissimo, uh, which one, I, the minute repeater. We produce in-house all our chiming watches the three Ammers, the Carrion Tourbillon, the Perpetual Calendar Tourbillon, Moon Phase, uh, uh, Grassonnerie. What else? We produce in house our Base Caliber, we produce in house the Lucea Skeleton Movement, we produce in house mostly all our dials, mostly uh, all our cases, a lot of bracelets. We are assembling uh, mostly 90% of our production here in Neuchâtel. Um, maybe I I forgot something. Our jewelry watches uh, often are produced in uh, Italy with our facility in Valenza and uh, I jewelry atelier in Rome. We produce in-house our piccolissimo movement and we are very proud about that. Um, we don't produce in-house the bracelet of the Serpenti, uh, Serpenti Tubogas, the Serpenti Jury watches because we produce it in Italy, in our facilities. We don't produce screws, we don't produce leather strap, we don't produce springs. We produce in-house some wheels of the movement, uh, some bridges of our movement because they are so difficult to produce uh, outside. Uh, we don't produce hands. We don't produce uh, all our indexes. We don't produce buckle for the deployment buckle. We produce all our mostly all our arduino buckle. Um, we don't produce crown,
0: and I think uh, we don't produce glass. We don't produce gasket. You've said enough, about you. I'm, I'm, I'm You've proven that you're honest, you're transparent, which is rare in the Swiss watch industry. And you guys set such a high standard for yourself because you just said, we don't produce the coil, but Bulgari does produce it in-house. It's just not in Switzerland. But it's funny, you guys segment yourself so much. It doesn't make sense to say that we produce crews, we produce our... Our
1: leather strap, honestly, nobody nobody knows, but it's a, not a strategic component. So, alone, we try to produce to be the owner and to be the designers of all our most strategic development. And I think uh, we mostly we produce ninety five percent, ninety nine percent of our finissimo movement, and we produce hundred percent of our piccolissimo movement. So. We are very proud that we are producing all our chiming watches. You know that we have more. The watchmasters able to touch a chiming watch must be a talented watchmaster with more than 20 years of experience, but must be talented because uh, it's not so easy. We are able to produce more or less 10. Uh, Carrion Tourbillon uh, Grand Sonnery and Quantien Perpetuel uh, all these kind of things to, uh, all together per year so one watchmaster is in charge for one watch he, he, the watchmaster cannot pass to someone else because he has to imagine from the beginning which kind of sound he going to have when the watch is closed and he assembling and disassembling the watch several times during the process and the final, uh, the the last fine tuning is made by hand. He touched the hammers and he touched the gong by hands, by hand. And uh, just at the end of the process, you have to be able to imagine the the quality and the uh, kind, which kind of sound we're gonna have when the watch is closed. That's why you cannot pass to another watch We have more than one watch in the in the uh, chiming watch room that are more than two. I'm honest. And uh, that's why you cannot pass to another one because the sensibility, the pace, and uh, the way to work is different, even if they are the same level of skills and they are the same level of uh, talent. So that's why we're able to produce three, four Grand Sonnery per year, uh, three, four minute repeat, three, four uh, um, three triumphers. It's super difficult. Uh, and you have to imagine that it's like uh, when you produce uh, an exotic car with more than 100,000 components, let me say.
0: You took the words out of my mouth because the BVL100, so it's the picolissimo, which you just mentioned, only 12 millimeters diameter, 2.5 millimeters thickness, and weighs 1.3 grams, which is mind-boggling. It's not even commercial. So I have to beg the question, why the heck do you guys even make it? It's crazy. Honestly, I stressed it a lot. I stressed
1: a lot this concept because uh, the first Bulgari watch, uh, uh, most iconic one was the Serpenti in the uh, late 50s. I don't remember. And it was with the mechanical movement. Uh, so Bulgari made uh, the, the the snake and uh, someone else made the movement. In a certain moment, it was impossible to find on the market other uh, mechanical movement uh, due to the quartz wave in the 70s. Uh, it was... Uh, not uh, interesting from an economical point of view. And uh, the second point was that this kind of small movement of the 70s, 40s, 50s, 60s was not reliable at all. So you can gain uh, 10 minutes per day. Everybody, today we have just Bulgaria Piccolissimo and the JLC on the market, this kind of dimension. In a certain moment, during a meeting, I say, guys, honestly, uh, the, the, the Serpenti... A secret watch is uh, wa- our most iconic watch today. We are the master of the miniaturization. We have the Octofinissimo more than 10 years on the market. We are a, a, a jewelry, you are a, we are a, a jeweler. We, our clients, are l- mostly ladies, but today we have even a lot of uh, gentlemen, very important collectors around the world, that have a Bulgari watches. We don't We'd, we cannot use a, a quartz movement anymore in this kind of piece. We have to develop our base caliber for the jewelry watches. Must be mechanical, must be ultra thin, must be super small because in this way we can play with it in a lot of different execution. Honestly, we don't take care about the gentleman in this way with the Octo Finissimo, with 8 War Records and uh, use a, a quartz movement on the most iconic watch that we have is the, uh, the Serpenti cigarette watch. And we start the development. And we start and stop and we start and stop because, honestly, it doesn't make any sense to produce this movement. But we want to produce this movement because we are the master of the miniaturization. We, uh, we love these kind of things uh, and we love to have uh, a, a piccolissimo, a mechanical movement inside our serpenti and inside our jewelry watch. We are very proud about that. And when we arrive on the market, uh, during our uh, presentation in January about the new Piccolissimo movement, I, s- I receive a lot of messages. You are crazy again. Uh, it's a huge surprise. Nobody able, no no, no one else is able to do something like that. Amazing movement. Uh, again, after the finissimo, you have the Piccolissimo. We are very happy about that. But uh, you know, alone, there is just two brand able to produce it because it doesn't make sense to have this kind of moon but you know for us jewelry watches is not just the cherry in the game jewelry watches is one of the most important part of our dna that's why we want to serve this kind of uh, this kind of uh, part of our lineup uh, in the most uh, most
0: noble and sophisticated way that's why the watch community thank you congratulate <laughs> you and and thank you for bringing so much newness into the industry um as I said, Fabrizio, I can go on for hours. Can I please invite you back on the show with Rob as well? Very soon, we can continue for hours. I kind of want to wrap it up. I am enjoyed every second of this episode. Grazie mille.
1: I don't know if I replied to all your questions, but I talk a lot. But the, the topic is so interesting. And as you can see, it's not just uh, because I make sketches. Uh, so uh, this is our job, it's our passion. Uh, is our uh, is our life that's why for me it's not just a podcast it's not i'm talking with a with a friend am i talking about uh, the design topic the aesthetic topic mechanical features uh, and all these kind of
0: things that's that's why i want to thank all our dear listeners if you have any questions for fabrizio or the whole bulgari team please send them to us so we can ask them on the show during the next recording with fabrizio maybe with antoine maybe we do a panel with more designers. Make sure to follow Bulgari on Instagram as well. That's at B-U-L-L-G-A-R-I. Um, if you have any questions for Rob and I, you can reach us by email, rob at therealtime.show. You can find Rob on Instagram at R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S. You can email me, alone at show or find me on Instagram, a l o n b e n j o s e p h. Thank you so much and keep on ticking. Ciao tutti, ciao caro.